Welcome to Effortless Swimming, the podcast for swimmers, triathletes, and coaches. Join Australian swim coach Brenton Ford as he reveals the latest techniques and information to improve your swimming. Let's dive right in. Welcome to another Effortless Swimming podcast. This week, I'm talking to Julie Robinson, and she's not only been an elite-level swimmer, uh, she's also a swim school owner, but what we're here to talk about today is mind training for swimming and how it fits into the swimming puzzle, so to speak. So Julie's a clinical hypnotherapist and also a neuro-linguistic programmer, and she travels around the country uh, teaching this stuff to swimming groups and swimming clubs, uh, and she's got a lot of... uh, a lot of clients uh, who are swimmers, and she's worked with a number of um, swimmers on the Australian team. So, Julie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you, Brenton. Thrilled, thrilled to be talking to you today. So, well, th- yeah. thank you very much for joining me. Can you? We'll start with um, just a little bit about your background in working with swimmers, and I know you've been in the pool for a, a number of years. Um, so, how did it all sort of come about? Yeah. Um, I think it all started really when I was kind of a teenager and I was swimming and this this uh, GP came to our swimming group and actually hypnotized us and actually kind of um, taught us how to use a visualization that went further than visualization. So it was a, kind of a deeper state. And as a teenager, I played with that. And when I played with it in other words I invested my time doing what he taught me I actually had some fantastic results in my own personal swimming career as a teenager and when I didn't use it it wasn't so good so um and then of course you know you kind of finish swimming and you go into teaching and you go into coaching and then you have children get married and have children and uh, then moving to Australia Um, one of our children got uh, chronically ill. And um, so we ended up literally doing a last resort and contacting a local hypnotist. And the results from that, again, sparked off my interest within using the mind for sport. So for my own personal development as a master swimmer, I decided to find out more information. I actually got trained by this guy, didn't really realize how famous he was. Uh, He runs what's called the Mind Academy here in Noosa. And um, now I teach for him. So, and I work this stuff within my everyday life. And also I work with athletes and uh, those people with um, kind of stress, anxiety and depression disorders so that's my story really that's awesome and i mean i i'd say probably uh, until i was uh sort of a, into my late teens i i would have thought that hypnotherapy was um you know that it, it, it didn't actually work i'd never seen it sort of done before but then actually i went to a a work function of uh, of my dad's work when i was 16 or 17 and uh-huh. i and there was a hypnotist there as um as a performer and he yeah. got up on the stage. He had about 12 people up there. And one of those people was my sister. And uh, <laughs> so um, he, he did his thing. And then, uh, you know, half an hour later, there was people who were running around the, uh, the center there thinking they were Scooby-Doo. My sister was doing some kind of weird dance. And, uh, it's, and I was just completely blown away <laughs> about the power of, of uh, 
hypnotherapy. And so, and I mean, you see the, the power of the mind with the placebo effect and all of that sort of stuff. So it's, uh, the mind is just such a powerful tool that I think a lot of swimmers probably don't use to the best of their ability. That's right, most definitely. And and those stage kind of um, moments, they're fantastic for promoting hypnosis. Um, about, I don't know, 20% of the population will be able to do that funky stuff at any one time. Um, but that's kind of like the extreme area mm. of hypnosis. Uh, for me, the most powerful hypnosis is what's called street hypnosis. So there's no particular setup to it. Um, so you can do some really fun stuff with street hypnosis. But pretty much... You know, most people are affected or doing or enjoying hypnosis within their world, within within their everyday world anyway. So you're if you imagine driving a car to morning training, um, you know full well that you get to morning training and you can't even remember driving your car or driving through a local town. It's because your unconscious has taken over at that point and you've gone into a trance-like state. You're in an altered state. So we, we do hypnosis naturally, it, you know, throughout our day. It's just one of those things that we do, every human de- being does and enjoys. And it's kind of tapping into those, um, what's the word? It's tapping into those skills and making those skills better that makes a difference for athletes most definitely Mm. and it's not the uh i mean when most people think of uh, hypnosis they think uh you go into someone's office and they'll say you're going into a deep sleep all of that sort of stuff but it's not that's not necessarily uh hypnosis is it no not at all not at all and you know that's what's so fun about it some sometimes it is like that and sometimes it's so totally different it blows me away let alone the client it's it's you know every client is different every athlete is different um every problem that they come to me with if they come with a problem is different and the solutions are so varied and you know it keeps keeps the work interesting so um and you know the, the athletes that I work with they're you know they they're enjoying exploring the creativity of their mind and uh, to to help them with their sport you know they're in control that, and that's what they love to have that control yeah it's uh, uh the probably the best example that I've uh, used myself with this was uh, I think I was 16 or maybe 15 at the time and 12 months mm-hmm. out from our national age championships, I sat myself a time for the 400 medley. And yep. uh, not every night, but most nights I would uh, picture myself in that event, racing it and hitting the time that I, I'd set for myself. And Brilliant. Yeah. And, you know, uh, 12 months later at nationals, I was, I was actually points two off getting that time. But uh, yeah. over the course of 400, it's, uh, you know, that's, that's still pretty close. But it that's was... Yeah, yeah, I, you know, in the race, it just it just happened, and I, I'd been there, you know, hundreds of times before, and it's just the training your mind that way to, uh, you know, to go through those experiences like that, and uh, and then seeing it, uh, seeing the results of it is is awesome. 
That's right. That's right. The important thing about the visualization routine and one of the biggest things to be aware of is making sure you have a kinesthetic emotion attached to that visualization. So the more that you get a kinesthetic emotional attachment, maybe excitement, maybe anticipation, maybe you know, pride at reaching that particular goal that you're visualizing, the more you involve yourself in that visualization, the more you to do that, you've got to go into an altered state of consciousness. To produce that emotion, you are using your unconscious processes. And that's where magic happens. It's literally, sometimes it just feels like magic happens. And because your unconscious processes loves and adores habits and repetition, then because you've repeated that visualization every night, you know, it just thinks, yep, here we go. We're just going to do it again. Mm. That's how it happens. It's so easy. So, so, so you're saying what the, one of the most important things is connecting that visualization to a feeling, to emotion, and, and having it not just be um, not just be the visualization, but really feeling that experience exactly exactly and in the world of social media we have so many people writing quotes or there's you know affirmations on facebook at twitter etc etc but unless you know these things just fly by in our world very very quickly but unless you attach an emotional unless you get a feeling towards that quote then you know magic is going to happen. You've got to have that feeling. You've got to have that emotion attached to that affirmation or that thought. And then, you know, you're, you're rocking then. You're off and away. Yeah, absolutely. I, rec- I think um, probably you know, maybe a good example of uh, getting swept up in emotion and that sort of thing, uh, a good example would be the, the Coney 2012 video. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah. So yeah. where people watch, I think it was a 30-minute video and, they had millions upon millions of uh, dollars um, funding this this campaign to get rid of, I think, Joseph Coney and uh, yep. all from this 30-minute video where everyone just got swept up in the, the emotion of getting rid of this bad guy and uh, and yep. then two weeks later, the guy kind of went a little bit crazy and it was just uh, – it, it just goes to show how, you know, how much that emotion can be used to hypnotize people in a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, what you're doing is you're transforming from that emotion, you transform, or you make changes, or you follow through on, you know, what do you what you want to have more of in life, or what you want to have. So, you know, for an athlete, it's all about the emotion, it's all about that goal and that vision and that sensation and that feeling of having that goal vision, not wanting it, you're actually tricking your mind into already having it. And what better way to enjoy, you know, having something, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, there's nothing better. It's pleasurable. It's something really enjoyable to do. Um, and, you know, very, very different to the pain of training or the uncomfortableness of effort in training. Mind training is very different. It's very pleasurable. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something to enjoy and something to be very creative with. And that's what I find gets me through uh, hard training is the, 
uh, I think, to the payoff at the end. So let's say I've set a goal three months down the track. Doing a hard session and you don't want to keep going, but you're halfway through the session and you've you've got to finish it off. It's it's thinking about uh, how it will feel to achieve that goal that that I'm aiming for. That's what usually gets me through it. Yep. Very much so. Very, very much so. Even Saturday, I did a workshop with uh, younger swimmers and, you know, that was exactly it, the motivation. They'd literally just done a 3K time trial. So, you know, you're talking about an hour of swimming for the for these little ones and, um, you know, something's – they've got to be creative in their mind to get themselves through those kind of challenges. Mm, absolutely. So, you know, it's something that's got to drive them. They've got to have a driver or a real intense feeling to generate during those times. Yeah, especially with kids. I mean, they. It's sometimes it can be hard to uh, or difficult to help them link up the training they're doing in the pool to, um, to I guess the payoff, especially for for younger kids who are eight, nine, ten years old. Uh, but you know, if you can get them to associate the laps they're doing, or the um, trying to get them to refine their skills with their kick and their body position, uh, if you can get the, them to link it to um, you know to, to something bigger uh, down the track, then that's when they can you know, will behave better and uh, you know and and really push push hard in training. Very much so, and the same with uh, us adults as well. Like we need to know the reason behind why we're doing something. When we know the reason behind why we're doing something, then we'll follow through quite happily. If we know, like you say, there's a payoff, if we know that what we're going to get at the end is going to feel phenomenal for us, we'll certainly go through a bit of pain to feel phenomenal. You know, you're not even going to question it. You're going to do exactly what your coach says. And you're going to put so much effort into it as well. Yeah, that's right. A good example of that is when uh, I live here in Melbourne and um, myself and a few friends normally uh, go surfing each week. And it's between an hour to an hour and a half drive on the way down and an hour and an hour and a half back uh, as well. So it's it's a big trip in the car. But what we're really going for is just that one good wave, that, that feeling exactly. of you know getting barreled or whatever it is, just we're we are willing to give up three hours in the car just for that one feeling. Very much so. Very, very much so. And if you can tap into that feeling, you know, that car ride just goes so quickly. Exactly right. <laughs> you're there before you know it. If you're dreaming and creating on the inside of the mind, you know, your mind, that barrel and that particular wave that gives you that thrill and that feeling, you won't even notice the car ride. Yeah, it's, it's it's done. You're there already. So yeah, enjoy it. That's the way it is. That that's your mind. So what are you, what are your, some of your favourite exercises that you go through with swimmers? Some some mind training exercises or getting them to connect that that feeling with their training and and all that sort of thing. Probably one of my favourite exercises uh, because I've noticed a big difference between elite athletes and that kind of lower level athlete. And the big difference I noticed is that the elite athletes, um, they know how to manage disappointment. They've learned how to manage disappointment. 
So probably one of my biggest patterns that I use, which is actually in my book, is dealing with disappointment. Because the reality of the situation is, Brenton, you know, you're not going to have all the time fast races. You're not going to be doing PBs all the time. So it's a matter of being able to know what to do when those races or those particular sessions happen that leave you a little bit, I don't know, frustrated or disappointed or um, and, and, and that's probably one of the biggest things that I have um, put out there so much. I'm certainly on a mission. I'm on a mission for these swimmers to be enjoying their sport so much more. And and like I say, one of the things I do, my favorite things, is dealing with disappointment. Yeah, that's that's such a big one. I mean, through my coaching, I um, I work. Yeah, I've worked with a lot of parents who um, I coach their kids, and yep. they'll come to me and say, "Well, Jimmy hasn't improved in in four months. He's uh, <laughs> he's he did a two twenty one." You know, three weeks ago, this week he did a, a two thirty, so he went nine seconds slower. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with him, and uh, it's it's just um, yeah, as you said, no one's going to um, have a great race all the time. Sometimes you will go slower than your PB. You're not going to hit it every time, uh, but it's just learning to deal with the roller coaster of swimming. Sometimes you'll swim well, sometimes you won't, uh, but you're just looking for that gradual improvement over time and to to learn from. Uh, a bad race uh, and understanding that you you can't be on the ball every single time and uh, and that's something that I try and um, get across to parents is that don't don't worry if your, your children's times are up and down like especially if they're 10 11 years old I mean they're, yeah. go, they're going to um, they they're still figuring out pacing they they might have been tired from the day before where they ran exactly. eight, running around with uh, with friends and all that sort of stuff so it's um, yeah you're right it's uh, it's learning to control your uh, your emotions when you don't go so well yeah very much so very very much so I mean you know I, I do a lot of work with parents and part of my workshops is actually talking parents as well because really and truthfully they haven't learned how to manage their own disappointment mm. yeah <laughs> so, you know if they ha- if they aren't literally showing a wisdom model in their life in other words if they're not following through on that wisdom then you know kids copy Mm. that's they learn and they learn really quickly by copying so you know the parents have a responsibility to teach their children that you know it basically boils down to the fact that most human beings learn more from their mistakes than they do their successes when you Mm. you win or have a great race yeah, you just enjoy the feeling of it. When you lose or the race isn't so good, then that's the moment that is magical to me because that is the moment where you've got an opportunity to make changes. And that's the moment where you can really tap into some special stuff because that's the moment where you start to progress. Mm. It's yeah, it's, it's good having a bad race or a bad meet every now and then to find out where you where you need to improve. Exactly, exactly, and um, you know that that that's one of my biggest things. The other thing that I love installing in my athletes is just sheer speed. So using the mind, the state of mind 
to produce speed. And that's pretty simple stuff. It's it's nothing complicated. Again, there's a chapter in my book called The Speed Enhancer. So what you're doing is creating uh, a sensation, a feeling in your body, a state that you know produces speed, and you're literally tapping into it whenever you want to. And, you know, who who wouldn't want speed? I mean, literally every athlete is gagging for it. So it's easy to do, easy to set up, and, uh, you know, swimmers just love it, whatever age, they love it. And you, so, you're using uh, almost like a pre-race ritual for that sort of thing? You can do. depends what they come up with. In my book, there's a particular word that they attach to the speed, uh, if they have a one-on-one session with me, then it's a you know a lot more created and a lot more personal to them. So um, you know I've got Olympic gold medalists in races, and I can actually see on the video of their race. I can actually see when they access their speed enhancer. <laughs> Let- That's awesome. So- uh, yeah, I can actually see where they where they flick the switch on the inside of their mind, mm. where, where they press the button or whatever it might be, where they literally access those uh, memories of state that are connected with speed or going to a next level. And that's why you see guys like Michael Phelps. He's got the same. Uh, he's got the same look pretty much every time. That yep. the, for the 10 seconds before he gets up onto the blocks. And when he gets yep. up onto the blocks, he slaps his back twice and, yep. you know, he's, he's ready to go. Yep. And those rituals are great. They're, they're wonderful. You've got to be careful with those superstitions with athletes as well because those superstitions, uh, you need to be able to have full control over them. So, you know, a lot of athletes set up superstitions or rituals that sometimes don't work. And uh, I don't like them. I like the ones that you know you have full control of so that each and every time they're going to work. Mm. So, um, you know, it's it's good to have those rituals because you're stepping up, you're setting your state ready, ready to perform. And uh, I see it a bit when uh, if swimmers don't get their full – Warm up done. Uh, let's say they get to the the pool late and they they do half of their warm up uh, because they didn't have time to to do it before their race. Uh, you, you, there there are swimmers who can deal with it. They say, okay, that's okay. I'll just give it my best shot anyway. And sometimes they perform better because the they were doing too much warm up before. Uh, yep. Or some swimmers will just they'll get in their head that they just can't uh, they can't race well because they haven't done what they've done for the last two three years. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, it's, it's knowing you need control. You need to, those rituals that you do, you need to control of and then just drop the rest of it, you know, whatever. There, I'm sure if you went back in that swimmer's past, they would have produced very, very fast races in the past where they had no warm-up at all. Yeah, so that's right. They would, have, they would have those resources available to them. And uh, I think it was Gary Hall uh, Jr. who did – I think it was the 2000 Olympics for the 50 freestyle. He did uh, one lap warm up before the 50 freestyle final, and yep. he got out and he said, "Yep, I'm feeling good," and he's ready to go. And, yep. uh, yeah, you know, then that's uh, that's a completely different frame of mind. Yeah, 
Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, it's fantastic. So I like that. I like that because what he's doing is challenging the beliefs out there. So uh, the other area of my work is, is you know, that elusive self-belief. So, uh, you know, I always say to swimmers, if your coach says to you, you need more self-belief, ask that coach, how do I do self-belief? Mm. And what, what would your answer be to that question? Well, Basically, self-belief comes from two areas, interpretation and evidence. So evidence would be, you know, your coach showing you a time on, on his clock and saying, wow, you can do it. In other words, the evidence is there to say that you can do it. Um, so you would n- – believing is, is, is knowing something is true. So um, by evidence of putting that training in and hitting those training times, it literally gives you that belief. The other way of doing self-belief is by interpretation, and that's a whole different ballgame. That is a workshop in itself. Um, Interpretation is your perception on the world as it is. So um, it's probably not something I would go into now with this podcast. I'd probably need about two and a half to three hours to do that one. So something for the future. How about that, Brenton? Sounds good. <laughs> but, I so- tell you what, every, every client I work with, pretty much every athlete that I work with um, gets the self-gig, self-belief gig. They, they have to work on belief. Mm. Is they they need again they need control they need to know that the reality of the situation is things aren't going to go their way but if they've got the creativity to create different interpretations at the time they're in a very very powerful situation and uh, and what about some uh, examples of people who you've worked with who have uh, been able to change uh, have better performance or change the direction they were going through um, through hypnosis and NLP? Uh, very much so. Um, um, I, I mean, the names uh, that particularly come to mind, Mel Schlanger. Um, Mel Schlanger came to see me probably two years out of um, London Olympics. And uh, at the time, she was overweight. She probably wouldn't have even broken a 60 in the 100 freestyle. Um, She did not have any belief in herself. Um, She, you know, she she was struggling, really, really struggling. And uh, it was an absolute thrill for me to see her make that team and produce what she did produce at, at the Olympics. Um, Chris Wright, her partner as well, um, Brittany Elmsley that I've worked with in the past. Um, so, but it's not about those big swimmers. For me, it's kind of the ones that are underneath that are kind of just knocking on the door of, of either they just joined the Australian team or they're on their way. They're, they're on the junior teams. Um, and also, you know, those, those, the ones that are just making national qualifying times and those state swimmers, you know, they're, they're working towards getting state qualifying times. It, it, it doesn't really matter to me because each one of those athletes are individuals and, you know, I want the best for them most definitely. Mm. Um, it's exciting working with the elite athletes. It's very different. 
Um, I've got a whole heap on the open water team, the Australian open water team, um, that even race each other and they're clients of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got one on the Australian open water team that saw me three years ago with chronic fatigue and literally written herself off and now she's back on the, the team. You know, it's um, there's a lot you can do, a heck of a lot you can do. Can you go into a little bit uh, more detail on your child who was sick and you saw a, a hypnotist, like the, what, the one that sort of got you into uh, this field? So what, what was the uh, story there? My, my child, my daughter, mm. yeah, she had, chronic, um, she had a chronic back issue. Uh, she was actually bedridden. Uh, they told her that she had a form of arthritis. And uh, so I went, I investigated seeing this hypnotist in town that someone recommended to me. And we had to get her out of bed to go and see him. And Brenton, you know, my my kind of uh, thought about a hypnotist at the time was an old man in a cardigan with glass <laughs> beard. You know what I mean? Like a mm. bit creepy and a bit old and <laughs> you know, smelling musky and whatever. Anyway, we got her out of bed. We eventually got her into his office, and there's this charismatic 30-something young man. And uh, he literally had her pain level from 8 out of 10 down to zero in 20 minutes of that session. And I hadn't seen my daughter out of pain probably for three months. Jesus and uh, of course, you, when something like that happens, you can't help but pound the man with questions. I just, <laughs> literally, how did you do that? What did you do? You know, tell me more. And I was so curious and fascinated to suddenly see my daughter from pale and grey suddenly have colour in her face and brightness in her eyes that I hadn't seen for so many months. And uh, I was actually bawling my eyes out as you can imagine and uh, he saw her a couple of times after that and then we investigated an MRI scan with my daughter and there was nothing there at all physically wrong so her GP suggested seeing a psychologist and so I rang him again I rang the hypnotist and I said oh they've recommended a psychologist and he said nah Bring her in to me. Awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. So, yeah, we took her in again uh, for another session, and she literally, from that moment, she literally just got better and better and better and better. And then um, the next minute, she's moving to Sydney and living a life on her own in Sydney as a you know seventeen, eighteen year old and following her dream. So I, I, I couldn't thank him enough. You know, it was fantastic to see your daughter transform after being told by so many doctors that she'd have to manage and cope for the rest of her life. Yeah. Well, of um, I can see why that that uh, got you interested in that in the field <laughs> that, yeah. you're, that you're currently in. That's that's an amazing story. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I, I mean, I've you I use the work that I know for specifically for athletes. But there is another very important area of my work, and that is stress, anxiety, and depression disorders. Um, for athletes, I'm actually known as the vomit buster. So <laughs> there are some athletes out there that have a little bit of a vom-vom before they perform. 
and uh you know i kind of made my name in in the swimming world as the vomit buster so <laughs> you know anxiety is one of those disorders that i work extremely seem to work extremely well with so yeah and i mean it's i see it a lot in uh, instruments it doesn't matter if they're at national open competition or even if it's trying to get a state time that some some people put a lot of pressure on themselves to uh to live yes. up to whether it's parents' expectations or their own expectations, and they can really psych themselves out and can be sick because of it. So it's, uh, I've seen a lot in swimming, and I've got no doubt it's it's in a lot of other individual sports as well. Oh, very much so. I, I do a lot of that kind of thing. And, you know, wonderfully so, these, these athletes have investigated trying to change consciously with a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but that kind of behavior is completely unconscious. It's not something you, you can control consciously. It just comes upon you. That's, that's the nature of anxiety. And, um, you know, there's, there's no point in even trying to change it consciously. You know, you're just heading down a long, 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 long pathway. Mm. Um, you know, I've, I've even worked with swimmers. I don't really like to say this, but I have worked with athletes and cleared that problem in one hour, in a one-hour session. You know, some, it takes a little bit longer, but, you know, it has been known. It, it, you know, it feels like, um, like a miracle that, you know, they can compete without vomiting before they, they compete, before they p- perform. Hmm. Well, well, it makes sense. I mean, if you if you make that, if that change is made subconsciously, you know that the change is being made. So, uh, you know, it doesn't necess- It's not necessarily going to take them six months to um, to get rid of this this problem when they're working with someone like you. Yeah, exactly. And you know, those emotions are produced unconsciously. So your unconscious is the generator of all your emotions. Mm. If you want to change an emotion or a sensation or a feeling, you've got to do it unconsciously. So, and and you know that that's the that's the gig, that's it, and it just is what it is. You you see with say like the four minute mile when when one person breaks it, that gives everyone else the the subconscious belief that it it can be done. Yes. And, uh, you know, and then so many people got under it the next year. So it's um. Yeah, just uh, just one little change can uh, can make a huge difference for um, for a lot of people. So it's uh, yeah, yeah the, the mind can be very limiting, but it can also um, be very powerful when you use it the right way. Like um, changing your your daughter's um, her, her back pain. So it's, uh, it's it's amazing. Yeah, all of a sudden she was in control. She could control it. And, you know, there's there's a tremendous amount you can do. I mean, just a few weeks ago, I was teaching on a course. So these kind of courses, you've got psychiatrists, counsellors, psychologists, even GPs, doctors coming in to learn how to hypnotise. And, you know, doing medical hypnosis where you're actually uh, removing pain from the body. And, you know, you can do some seriously cool stuff um, just using your mind. Yeah, and I, I, I really like that approach to things. I mean, I, I know there's, uh, 
there is a need for um, some pills and that sort of stuff. When you're a doctor, you do need to prescribe some uh, some medicine. But I think a lot of it uh, a lot of it comes from uh, the mindset of, of people uh, yep. and and the diet. I mean, I think uh, you know doctors um, probably can't can't tell people that well you need to cut the crap that you're eating and uh, and have a better diet, but you know, just the um, just the the basics is you know eat well, um, have a, a good mindset. That can do so much for for a person to um, to change how they're feeling. Very much so, very very much so. And you know, there is a chapter in my book which generates the dopamine, which is your natural feel good hormone. You know, you can literally use your mind to produce those this those serotonin moments. And um, the more you generate that, the more you're filling your body with, you know, wonderful sensations. And that sets you up for, you know, a much less stressful life. You're enjoying your life. Um, and, you know, you can do it so easily. It doesn't take much. It, the mind is a very, very simple machine. Or more to the point, Brenton. I like to keep it simple. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> well, I mean, you're you're a good example of that. You've you're um, you're uh, known for your your smile. You, you, you hardly seen without a smile on your face, and you and you've um, organised yourself in a way where you can teach something that you love doing, and you travel around Australia. You're originally from the, the UK, and uh, yep. travel around Australia and teach this stuff to uh, different groups and swimming clubs and. Um, I mean, I, I think it's really important that the, the person teaching uh, sort of lives by what they're, they're teaching. So you're, you're a great example of it. Well, you know, I do have those moments where I'm not so happy, but I feel more of the ability to have a choice at that moment. So, you know, our life goes in waves. Sometimes, you know, things are going swimmingly well and then it kind of drops down. But I would say from the knowledge and working in this field that my default level has lifted. So I'm generally more happier, more relaxed in my life, um, certainly working towards more of what I want to have in life. Mm. So um, I'm eternally grateful, eternally grateful for being given the opportunity to learn uh, learn all this stuff that I've learned. I mean, it's changed, changed me in the last eight years. You know, those people, those friends and family that knew me before I learned all this stuff, they know how much I've changed. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you can do it easily. You can, you know, it's, it's just because it feels good. Then of course you, it's not hard work. So it feels effortless. So it's, it's, it's like, you know, racing that wonderful race that just feels so effortless and it's magical and then you produce a great race. Yeah. I, oh, sorry. You're spinning good feelings. So you just want more of it. It's, it's wonderful when you get to have more of it. Well, I, I love this sort of stuff. The, uh, uh, you know, anything in, involved with um, performing better and, uh, and, and mindset. I think I was 12 years old when I, I found this book, uh, on my my dad's bookshelf, I think it was called something like the Twelve Ways to be uh, to be happy or something like that. And uh, yep. I remember one of the exercises was uh, close your eyes and picture your ideal destination or you know where where you'd most love to be. And 
uh, and it would just get you to involve yourself in that in that environment. And and so I you know I use that from from when I was twelve uh, yep. onwards when I when I wasn't so happy or if I was on a plane and I was bored and I had nothing to do, then I'd, yep. I'd just uh, picture myself in my ideal situation and just kind of, you know, travel, travel there for a, for a moment. And it's, uh, that can yep. have such a powerful effect on your state of mind and how you're feeling. Very much so. As adults, you know, we kind of think oh, that we can't do that anymore because we're, you know, it's a bit silly and, you know, we're an adult now and we have to be sensible. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, really and truly the most successful people in the world are those that have that ability still to create on the inside of their mind. And, you know, they might not tell everyone how they do that creativity inside their mind but they are doing it just like they did when they were a kid absolutely my dad's favorite quote is that uh people that adults are just uh children with mortgages and i think i think that's so true it's uh if, if i come across someone who tries to be who's trying to be too uh, very professional and um you know and just a little bit up themselves so to speak it's, yeah. i just i find it very hard to connect with them i mean yeah. just let you let your guard down have some fun and you know don't, don't need to be serious all the time it's just that's just one of my pet peeves is is people who are trying to be very um yeah just just very strict with how they conduct themselves just yeah enjoy yourself and uh, uh yes you know and just be happy you know <laughs> it's it's exactly. uh, it's not that hard that's right that's right and that happiness that you generate it rubs off on all the people that you come into contact with and you can't help but build this vibe around you. And um, people enjoy that. People are, you know, they're, they're, they're attracted to it. And uh, it makes magic in the world. It really does make some serious magic in the world. And you've written, uh, you've written the, the book with, which we've spoken a little bit about, Mind Training for Swimming Fast. So uh, yep. can you just uh, give people who are listening to this the details of where they can get your book and if they'd like to book in for um, some one-on-one sessions with you or if they are a, a member of a swing club or a sports club uh, and they'd like to get you in to, to talk to their group, how can people get in contact with you? Cool. I have a website. It's a very, very simple website. Guys, it's just me. It's only me. So it's www.julierobinson.com.au. On that website, it will give you, you know, pretty much all the information that you need to know, the costs and where the clinic is on the Sunshine Coast. Um, there's also a page called products and in that page you can purchase online with PayPal payment, uh, for my book. Um, it's $20. Uh, I do travel around if a swimming club is interested in having a workshop or a gathering or having me speak, then just contact me through the website and, uh, you know, I'm very, very good at creating trips for myself uh, to head off in any kind of direction around Australia um, to create those workshops. So the opportunities are definitely there. For one-on-one sessions, uh, I work mostly primarily up the Sunshine Coast of Queensland 
Um, however, I do see clients in Brisbane, Gold Coast, and then, of course, if I'm traveling around once a year, I try to get to Melbourne um, to see clients in Melbourne. And also I travel a lot, quite a bit down to Sydney as well. So definitely there's opportunities there. Check them out. And, and the website and the contact through my web, website would be the way to go. Fantastic. So if, yeah, if, you're a, uh, if you're a member of a swimming club, if you're a coach or uh, a parent or, or someone who's got a little bit of uh, sway in the club, I highly recommend getting Julie out to, uh, to speak to your group of swimmers. It doesn't matter if they're young kids or they're master swimmers. Uh, it's, a, it's a really good thing to do. As, um, as a, a kid growing up uh, as a member of a swim team, I, we had a lot of speakers in, whether that was nutritionists, whether it was uh, psychologists or um, mind trainers. It's, it's just really important to give, uh, to educate your swimmers in all these important skills in life because they're not going to get it from school. They're, no. they're not going to be taught that sort of stuff. They're not going to no. be taught the most important skills of, uh, of being a person. So uh, if you can organize that as, as a coach or as a, as a parent, then, uh, then you're doing a big favor for, for members of your swimming club. So, Julie, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast. You're welcome. Remember, there's not one swimmer out there that's done it by themselves. They've had to have a support team around them. So, And like I say, I'm on a mission. I am on a mission to produce wisdom model athletes that when they do retire, they are happy, healthy, and ready to investigate you know, other things in life other than swimming. You know, it's it, there's a lot of uh, problems out there that athletes are, um, you know, having trouble with. And uh, as we know in the press and the media, so I'm definitely on a mission to change things out there for swimmers. And yeah, it's, it's very much needed as we've seen in the last couple of, of months with uh, especially elite level swimmers. So um, yeah, yeah, and and uh, then that filters down to to swimmers who aren't necessarily international uh, level athletes. It's about teaching people that there's there's more to life than just swimming. But you know, give it your best give it your best shot while you while you're at it. But teach them the the other skills that they need in life so that they can succeed when it comes to, to business or work and family and uh, and really just train them up in all of those different things to show them that you you don't want to have swimming as your life. It's it's a, can be a really important part of your life, but um, you've they've got to be trained in um, in the other aspects of it too. That's right. That's right. It's it's so important. You know, swimmers are very, very, very special people. They are seriously special. And, uh, you know, those special qualities that they've learned to do through all the training and the competing, racing and preparation that they have to do, you know, can put them into, you know, puts them into a great position ready for, for other challenges in life. Well, and I, I find that I have a, um, I get on really well with anyone that gets up early. It's uh, <laughs> just because of the, um, I wouldn't, I'm not necessarily res- respect that I have for people who get up early, but there's a, a a common understanding amongst uh, people who yeah. do get up at five o'clock in the morning to go and train whatever sport they're doing. And yeah. uh, especially growing up as at school, you know, kids who are struggling to get to school by nine o'clock because they woke up at 8.45, it's very hard to connect with them because they're, um, they're just living a different kind of life. And, um, you know, one that's not uh, quite often is not as, uh, uh, as driven as as other people, so yeah, I, f- I find it very easy to get on with people who are um, 
who, who can get up early and, and do stuff like that. So it's, yeah, um, you're right there, Brenton. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's cool. So, uh, all right. Thank you, Julie. Uh, grab her book, Mind Training for Swimming Fast from julierobinson.com.au and no doubt we'll have you back on again. Fantastic. Thanks very much, Brenton. It's been great fun. Thanks for joining us on the Effortless Swimming Podcast. To get transcriptions, bonus videos, and to be the first to hear about new episodes, go to swimmingpodcast.com. Swimming Podcast.